0: Episode 403 Picard Season 3 Review with special guest Adam David Collins. Welcome to the
1: Strangers and Aliens Podcast.
0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Strangers and Aliens. I'm Ben. Ben Avery and this is a podcast about science fiction fantasy and uh, spirituality and Christianity and I am here uh, without Steve without Evan partially because I don't think Steve or Evan has even seen Picard season three but uh, I did happen to notice on Facebook there was somebody that I've been wanting to snag for the podcast and he posted some strong feelings about Picard season three and I thought that might be, that might be a good topic for us to talk about. So, Adam David Collins is here. Welcome. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. Yeah. So, Adam David Collins is a uh, science fiction writer and a YouTuber. He YouTube uh, does YouTube videos about some different science fiction fan productions, but also about books. And I don't know if I'm missing anything. Uh, you oh, Stargate is another one that you I've seen some videos yep. from you about and. Yeah. So kind of a jack of all trades in some ways. Yeah.
1: Anything nerdy or geeky, <laughs> I'll talk about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, um, and so he's here to talk about some nerdy and geeky stuff with me right now. And uh, we'll talk a little bit toward the end, I think, maybe uh, allow you to um, kind of talk about the books that you've written and uh, about your youtube channel but for those people who are tuning in right now and who may not want to stick around for the full-on spoiler stuff uh where can they find you online and where can they find your your work especially jewel of stars which is a three episode series right now uh space opera with a fantastic premise uh of basically uh lost in space but it's a a cruise ship in space that is trying to escape from an intergalactic war and they don't got weapons. They barely have experience and it's been, it was a lot of fun. I haven't done my YouTube video about it yet, but I I will be. So yeah, so where can they find you and and uh and discover your work?
1: Yeah, so the best place would be my website, uh, which is adamdavidcollings.com and you can find links to everything that I do from
0: there. All right perfect so like i said i mentioned spoilers uh adam we're going to start with just kind of our general feelings about picard season three you can include as you're talking about it general feelings about season one and two (laughs) if you want um but i think right now this is just the time for us to kind of if we're trying to give uh recommendations to people who haven't seen it yet what would you tell someone should they should they watch picard season three or, or should they stay a, a far away from it?
1: Yeah, I, I would say, uh, you should definitely watch it, um, if you love science fiction, if you have any nostalgia for The Next Generation in particular, um, definitely watch it. Uh, I really enjoyed season three, and, um, even if you didn't like the first two seasons, I think, because each season is kind of so standalone in its own way, you can just jump straight into season three if you want, and, uh, yeah, I think you find a really
0: good story. Yeah, they built all three of these seasons as that that season-long story arc. Uh, there's some mm. episodic elements in, in each one, but uh, as they're going along, it's a lot less, like if you remember X-Files, where it was Monster of the Week, Monster of the Week, and then here's one about the season mythology we're going to explore, and then standalone episodes, standalone – it's nothing like that at all, and it's nothing like the standalones that you would get in – next generation and voyager um but i also think if you stayed away from season 1 and 2 i think you could still jump into season 3 mm. and and not have to worry too much if you've seen next generation if you've seen the next generation movies um you got what you need for a basis but obviously if you've seen season 1 season 2 there's some extra stuff that you'll understand and if you've seen Voyager, <laughs> Deep Space Nine. I mean, they, it's primarily next generation nostalgia, but it's all over the place with the nostalgia. There's mm-hmm. some, there's some original series nostalgia stuff going on. There's some, uh, actually, I was surprised how much original series stuff yeah. that they were uh, kind of referencing, talking about, bringing people in. Um, and then the same for, uh, for, Space nine same for voyager uh if you are a star trek fan this is the season of picard where they finally say yes we're making this for you <laughs> so mm. yeah
1: and i think also it's there is so much nostalgia but it's it's not just nostalgia they are they're pushing the story forward they're doing new things and um yeah it is its own story and satisfying in itself apart from the nostalgia
0: Yeah. And I was, I also appreciated that they, there was two episodes, one episode in particular focused in on uh, just a science fiction problem that they had Mm. where it's like, how do we get out of this predicament? Mm. Oh, there's the science fiction stuff over here. Let's explore that. Let's look at that. And then they're, they're doing that. And then there's also the big action set pieces and there's the, I just, you're right nostalgia is a big part of the season but the nostalgia is clothing on the skeleton it's you know Mm. the skeleton of the story is there they put some meat on it and then they clothed it in in nostalgia. yeah so with all that said i think that's uh where we're just gonna it's pretty quick but this is where we're gonna move into spoiler territory and talk about just what this show did and (laughs) and uh some of the strong feelings that that it uh created so i'm gonna play the spoiler organ now and after i do so adam will we'll jump in and everything's free you can talk about anything and everything so
1: spoilers
0: spoilers spoilers all right, people, you have been warned. We are back here now and Adam, I just I want to start with like what was your favorite thing about this season? What was your favorite uh maybe moment or um plot element? When you think about Star uh, Picard season 3, what's the first thing that pops into your head? Mm. I think for me it's it's seeing the characters and seeing who they've
1: become over time and the growth and development in, in each of them. Um, and, and they're all given um, a, a decent amount of, of development. Um, a lot more so than, you know, the Next Generation, and particularly the Next Generation movies, they would pick, like, it was usually Picard and Data, and maybe one other character, and everyone else was kind of sidelined. But uh, But I think here, all of these characters are given their due, and I really enjoyed seeing what they did with them. Uh, Wharf was a highlight. Um, seeing how he interacted with Raffi that that was a lot of fun.
0: Um, <laughs> and Riker, their yes. their interactions <laughs> toward the end of the season were pretty fun yeah. too. You
1: know, when they first announced Picard way back, my initial thought was, you know, with the original series, we had the show, and then we had the movies, and we got to to know these characters in two very different eras, very different stages of their lives. Um, but we never really got that with TNG because they launch into the movies directly after the show. And so my hope for the show was that we'd get kind of get to see that we would get to know these people as older characters. And there was a little bit of that, like the, the first season episode in was, uh, was really good for that. But I think season three really delivered on us, uh, f-
0: for, for the entire cast. Yeah. I, speaking of just the cast in general, uh, this is kind of what I was hoping for in season Mm. one when they first started announcing it. And then they started revealing details about what season one was going to be like. And you realize, Oh, they're not, they're announcing Riker as a, a, you know, uh, Frakes and Cirrus as as a, as special guest stars. Mm. But that was it, you know, and it's going to have a new, new cast, new crew. And, um, and, I got the impression from a lot of pre-release stuff that they were looking to Patrick Stewart to say, what does, what do you want this to be like to make you feel comfortable to return to the character? Because you, you say you've said a lot with the character and you may have said everything you want to say with the character. Well, what can we do? And and I read interviews where they talked about sitting down with, with the producer or or showrunner and just kind of talking through this is what I'd like to see. This is where I'd like this character to be at this moment in his life. And it was in some ways, it felt almost like we want to just stay as far away from giving the fans what they're expecting and hoping that we Mm. can just give them a great story and they'll accept that. And Mm. there was a lot of people who were very vocal about not accepting that. Uh, Mm. And then you have season three come and it really does feel like, Oh, this is, what I mean honestly what I was wanting I've been waiting mm. for this opportunity to see okay well we're, what's Riker up to we kind of already know that but um what's Worf up to what's mm. uh now Data I figured we were done with him because yeah <laughs> he's died uh, how many times has he died now uh yeah well
1: I mean they've killed him <laughs> off twice um at least <laughs> one once in Nemesis and then once
0: in season one of Picard and and then multiple times in in the series, but mm. they were always reset back at the end of the episode. Yeah. Where he's back, but um, yeah. And uh, Dr. Crusher, that was someone. Okay. She was, imp- she was important to Picard and his story, mm. but completely not a part of things. Now they made it make sense though. That's the other thing is every mm. character, as they're bringing them back in, it all makes sense about where they were, how they're feeling. Uh, La Forge was another highlight. Mm. And and his daughters like that was that was cool to see. He has the two daughters, one who followed his uh, his track into engineering, and the other who followed her own her own path as a as a navigator. But then you find out she didn't have the aptitude for the engineering, but she still loved her dad, so she wanted mm. to be a pilot because she wanted to to fly the things he made, you know. And mm. um, so there's some really special things that were happening there. Yeah, yeah, and
1: I think. You know, because Geordi was always the, I guess, the grease monkey who who could repair the engine in in five minutes, but had no idea how to talk to a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see him now as a family man and just how he prioritizes his daughters, and yeah, I, I love that. Uh, I think there's a lot as a as a parent that you can really identify with in this show from multiple characters.
0: Definitely, this this season especially was about family mm-hmm. and it was about uh about legacy and about Mm. your, you know, what you pass on. Um, man, the whole, and I think more so than the other seasons, that's what grabbed me was this kind of Mm. theming that they did of, about family where you have Picard looking at, at Jack, which is weird. (laughs) You know, he's Mm. Picard's son named after her dead husband, but you know, okay. Um, yeah, but, uh, he's worried about passing on the worst of himself and, mm. and he sees and don't we all worry about that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it does. There's also the, the, the side of things where it's, it's, uh, I don't want to call it generational sin, but there is this, the side of things where you have, um, weaknesses of the parents that you look at and you're like, oh, did I pass that on? Mm. You know? And, um, yeah. Uh, anger maybe or um i know some families deal with you know mental health issues and so you look at should Mm -hmm. i even have children because are they going to go through the same things i went through uh and you see that here where beverly was trying to keep jack away from picard in some ways to protect him from from the stuff in picard's past that would follow them Mm. uh, but couldn't and and picard who was looking at you know I've given him the worst of me you know, I've given him mm. and I wasn't expecting the big, uh, reveal to be necessarily that Jack was infected by the Borg. <laughs> like it's, yeah, like, but it, it came from Picard being lucidus and mm. you know, it just that past thing. So, um, mm. so I think that that family theme though, LaForge and his yeah. girls, um, you know whose family they didn't talk about was Worf's. Which, yep, that's. I, I
1: would have liked one little uh, mention of Jadzia. That would have been would have been nice. <laughs>
0: or an Alexander too. Like, yes, I, I can't remember where they left yeah, him. We, in where is he? But
1: they left him a, a bumbling, clumsy, trying to be a Klingon mm-hmm. soldier, but not really fitting in. And <laughs> yeah, that's the last we saw him <laughs> at so. the in the
0: wedding, I believe. Yeah. If anything happens more with Worf, I'm hoping Alexander is brought into that. But mm. I feel like yeah. they have visited that quite a bit in Deep Space Nine with yeah. just Alexander trying to navigate the legacy of of his father. But, mm. Um Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit about the the plot then and about the mm-hmm. the big bad. Uh mm. and again, this was another the sci-fi idea I was talking about earlier was the the life forms in the nebula. Yes. You know, and they had to deal with that and kind of learn to navigate. I thought they're going to end up talking to it. Uh, just like asking it for help. But, um, Mm. that was, that was cool. But then the whole climax is based on this idea of the Borg using the changelings to infiltrate Starfleet to, Tech the tech and turn the transporters Mm. into Borg uh, assimilation devices. But it only works on people younger than 25 whose brains Mm. haven't quite finished developing. And so you end up with, and I don't know if this was intentional, but you end up with a climax, a big bad of technology has infected our young and they're turning against Mm. us as old people, which. Uh, i can't imagine that being the intended theme but it feels like a, a very much like a young versus old uh yeah so but what did you think about the return of the borg here yeah so
1: i was not expecting like like they spent almost all the season building up the changelings the fallout of the dominion war um I mean, Amanda Plummer uh, as uh, Vadic she was amazing. Um, really good performer. Um, and as a as a massive D. Space Nine fan, I was really really in there for that. And so for then in the final two episodes to uh, essentially turn it around, okay, well, it's about the Borg now. <laughs> At first, I was a little taken aback and like, okay, I'm not sure about this. Like, yeah, the the Borg. The Borg are Picard's nemesis. They they mm-hmm. always have been. They are his his biggest demon. Yeah. Um. So it makes sense for them to to be there as that. Um. I, I think. I, th- I think the changings could have carried the entire season. I don't think they needed the Borg. Uh, but but the way they did it and brought it all together, um, I think really worked. Like a, as you described, uh, kind of the plot before it, you know it sounds a bit convoluted and the more you get into it with you know they Picard's Eremotic Syndrome was not Eremotic Syndrome <laughs> it was actually you know the Borg messed with his DNA when they turned him into Locutus and and then if he had a had a child then that child would be infected and and it, it just sounds when you start saying it out it sounds ridiculous and you think oh is this all falling apart you know like some other seasons of of Modern Trek kind of have the more you think about them and then I think, you know, they did kind of make make it work. So you've you've got the Borg who are who are kind of in a desperate state in the fallout of of Voyager's finale, what Janeway did to them. Uh, so they're in a position where they do kind of need the changelings, and yeah, I I think it kind of ties together, and I think it holds as a reasonably cohesive
0: idea. Yeah. I- I do remember them talking about things and saying that, again, they were bringing back things that had a personal stake for Picard, mm. and yeah. and so that's what made me wonder. Okay, is there more to it than the changelings? Again, I wasn't mm. thinking Borg because we had dealt with Borg in the second season, and that was kind of a a kinder, gentler way to take care of mm. the Borg problem. Was to okay, let's let's get a queen with heart. And, yes <laughs> and, uh and then they're going to be good guys protecting the galaxy over here which is why they mm. couldn't be over here for this storyline um yes but you also had yeah january took care of them in in voyager which that's another reason why you know if you watch if you watched voyager you're going to get more out of this because you know where the Borg mm. c- came from um but I was expecting, and this was my prediction for, mm-hmm. I almost, maybe even more than half of the season, the, uh, the parasites from conspiracy. Ah. That's what I was, there was certain things in the first couple of episodes. There was a moment where I think it was Crusher sent the message to Picard. It's like, don't trust anyone. And that mm. was one of the little phrases that got used during the conspiracy and the the previous episode there was an episode like five episodes before conspiracy that they kind of were dropping hints that something bad yes. was happening in Starfleet mm-hmm. and they were saying, don't trust anyone, you know? And mm. so there's some things like that where it's like, ah, oh, they could be going there. And I would love mm-hmm. to have seen a follow yeah, to that because they never followed it up on screen. I think there might've been some no. books where they did, but, um, yeah. And that would have been tied into some of the personal, like, Picard had mm. personal interaction with them. Yes. Picard did not have on screen personal interaction with, with the changelings. No. no. And so that was one where I was like, okay, well, is it the parasites mm. using the changelings? Yes. And it turns out my thoughts about the parasites using the changelings was actually, it was the Borg, you know, doing that. Yeah, <laughs> But again, I didn't predict the Borg. Mm. Um, I, uh, I did have some fun with my friend predicting what was behind the red door. Uh, mm. And the the main thing that we, we kind of agreed on was it might have been the red restroom was behind there. Uh, or maybe it was Harry Kim demanding mm-hmm. a promotion. <laughs> and, <laughs> or or V'ger coming around yes. and saying, hey, uh, I've come to collect my friends, the Borg, from the machine planet mm. that found me. Um, yes. <laughs> but but I, I didn't actually expect it to be to be the Borg and that Mm. they would be the big bad. Uh, I did. I liked the state that the Borg were in though, and how Mm. they're coming from this weak position of weakness using the changelings who are coming from a position of, of anger Mm -hmm. and, and uh, pain and, and revenge. And Mm -hmm. then um, man, uh, I don't know if they, I, I don't think they put Alice Krieg in makeup. No, she was credited as voice. Right. But that form of the Borg queen Mm. was freakish and scary looking. And uh, it reminded me, and I'm sure this is something they use uh, because it's been used before, I think, uh, in designing Borg, but uh, H.R. Giger. Uh, mm-hmm. And his his drawings and and artwork, where it's just that biomechanical stuff. Mm. And I think this is the most H.R. Giger of all the Borg. Is mm. is this this version of the the Borg Queen? She looked fantastic. Yeah, definitely. So, Very creepy. Uh, so the other big thing that we have to talk about is the return of the D. Mm. So Enterprise D they they mentioned door number 12 in an earlier episode i almost missed the, i i remember them talking about it afterward but it wasn't until i realized that people were speculating about what was behind door number yeah. 12 that i started thinking oh well what could be behind door number 12 i kind of remember them talking about that and behind door number 12 was a recreation rebuilding uh, you can thank the Prime Directive that they had to go back to the planet mm. where the Enterprise crashed and they had to go and collect that Enterprise and collect Captain Kirk's remains, which yes. is something we <laughs> need to talk about. <laughs> um, and and LaForge had been rebuilding the Enterprise-D for the museum mm. over the decades. Yeah. And what what did you think when it happened, When when you yes. finally saw the ship? I
1: hadn't realised how much I wanted that. Hmm. Like, if, if you'd kind of said to me you know, up, up front before this whole thing started, you know, they're going to bring back Enterprise D and they're all going to be on board, and I would have said, you know, that sounds like some lovely fan service, but that almost <laughs> sounds like going too far. But when it happened, it was awesome. <laughs> like, it 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 just felt so good to to see them there and, uh, you know, to hear Major Barrett's voice. and yeah. And I, I tell you yeah. what the 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 love that went into crafting that set that they rebuilt. Uh, I don't know how much the behind the scenes you've seen of just just how accurate they built that thing um even to the extent of recreating floors so that it would look right. Mm-hmm. um so like Worf's Elkar's panel, the curvy one, um they had to light that differently than all the other panels because it was curved, and so they had these kind of blue LED lights behind it. And so when they recreated that, they actually gave it a slight blue tint just so it would match <laughs> the, what was essentially a floor, uh, um, them doing their best back in the 80s when they built that set to begin with. Yeah, um, I
0: saw another yeah. thing with, uh, oh, I can't remember how you say their name, but Mike and Denise o- uh, Okuda's. Okuda, yeah. yeah. Uh, where they talked about some of the stuff that they had done where there's one panel that had nothing on it originally. Mm-hmm. And they'd always joked about it being the place where it could be a cup holder, uh, but someone said, you know, that's gonna. When people are watching this in HD, they're gonna think that's mm. a mistake, and so we need mm. to put something on there because there wasn't anything before, but it wasn't noticeable on your tube right. television. Um yeah. And so he actually put the outline of uh, of a mug and the mug's handle, <laughs> uh, so yeah. it looked like it could have been uh, a, wow. a mug a cup holder. And yeah, and then there was a button that. Uh, that Wesley Crusher, um, I lost the actor's name just now. Will Wheaton, that he had uh, said something, and and they had added that in back then. And so I saw him pointing at it, like a picture of him pointing at the buttons. that like yeah. uh-huh. he had he had named and stuff. And uh, man, w- when they walked in, and this is another thing, kind of goes into that family thing. It was mm. their old house. This was yeah. this was their home. Um, Mm. it didn't take me until, I don't know, maybe three years ago to realize that Star Trek for the voyage home was all about them getting back to the ship, getting to an Mm. enterprise. Like that was the home that they were voyaging to from the beginning. Mm. That was their odyssey. Um, so I, I was a little quicker to pick up on it here where the family has come back together and they walk into the living room of their home. Yes. (laughs) And, uh, it was a great moment. It was Mm. a great moment. Here's the thing that made it work for me. So it wasn't just over the top fan service, and that was that we had mm. already seen so much fan service with that museum already. Yeah, because they had NX One, the the Enterprise from Enterprise. Ooh, yeah, they had the A, which is my Enterprise. That's my favorite ship, maybe of all time. Yeah, I love that I mean, ship all too. Science fiction. Um, so they had the A from being retired after the Undiscovered Country. There's the Klingon Bird of Prey. The bounty, the HMS bounty mm-hmm. from Star Trek <laughs> 4. There's Defiant. There's mm-hmm. uh, Voyager. I mean, all of our special ships are around there. It reminded me of like the... V- I don't know much about any Star Trek video games, but it reminded me of what could have been the, the Starship select screen for a video mm. game where you just like be tapping over and it would spin around yep. for you and the next uh-huh. ship would come into view. Um, but it just mm. had all of the these ships that were so... Uh, special and important to mm. Star Trek history. And yep. I was hoping they'd mobilize more. Like, it wouldn't just be the D that they mobilized, but that we'd yeah, see.
1: When, when yeah, um, when they went to steal the cloaking device off the bounty, I actually thought they were going to steal the Defiant because, of course, that has a cloaking device as well uh, and a, a much more recent cloaking device. Um, yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's nice to know that those ships are there being looked after. Yeah, yeah, but I'll tell you another thing that made it work for me uh, was that there was a there was a good story reason for them to do it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, with, and the whole thing of you know all our ships are tied together so they can all be controlled as one kind of came out of nowhere and that was a bit weird, but it really <laughs> set up the fact we need an old ship. Um, uh, so I think it 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 felt like it was more than just fan service. Like there was a there was a good plot reason
0: why they needed an old ship yeah the the whole all of our fleet being tied together as one thing yeah it did came out of nowhere but it also that as absurd as it sounds when you say it mm-hmm. it fits the motivation and fits the the operation of what's happening here where you've got people infiltrating starfleet mm. at various different levels mm-hmm. and you know how many admirals have been replaced by by yeah. changelings to make mm. these decisions, exactly. And, and then there's that the irony of Shelby, who yeah. is an admiral who's not mm. a changeling, like mm. she is genuinely surprised when everything starts happening. Yeah. Um, but she's the one who's saying we can operate as one. She's the Borg expert. <laughs> she- I know. <laughs> and I, I I do like that
1: Picard verbalize the irony of that yeah yeah
0: yeah, if they had not hung a a lampshade on it it would have been uh it's good that they did that (laughs) yes definitely it it was yeah otherwise it would have been something to complain about as a a Mm. character plot hole or whatever but yeah um yeah but i loved seeing i love seeing the different enterprises on the screen and so then you have again that legacy throughout the whole thing where this is, this is the story of how the Titan became the enterprise G. Mm. This is the story of uh, really an enterprise legacy. You have Riker who went to the mm. Titan. Yeah. And then Riker and Picard come back to the Titan <laughs> and it's been refit <laughs> to look more like my favorite ship. And then mm. you have uh, it, it by the end has been re Christian enterprise G. Because F mm. got destroyed. <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> we, <laughs> as Picard says in
1: first contact, we barely knew her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and the poor old E got destroyed off screen, somehow Worf's fault. <laughs> yeah,
0: which is kind of fun. And mm. that that was one where I saw an interview where they said, yeah, we decided to just leave that one for somebody else. Like, if if they mm. get around to it, they can have fun with that. We want to... Hint at something, but we want, don't want to tell someone else's story. We'll let someone else do that. Mm. So, um again, but Worf' his delivery of mm. so many lines, like that one, that was not my fault. Yeah, like that's that was a yeah. great delivery. um <laughs> yes. After the battle, I, when he sits down and falls asleep in the chair, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just oh yeah, yeah, they are old people now. They're old. Yeah,
1: I <laughs> mean, uh, I guess you you and I are not as old as the actors uh, of, of the show, but. You know, I know for myself, you know, the stage of life I'm kind of entering into. I I get that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, just the other day, I was I was trying to read a book and I fell asleep
0: in it, (laughs) which I hate. But (laughs) well, and that's my day job on Sunday morning is the big big day of the week, and as a as a children's pastor, we've got a lot going on. There's a lot of movement. There's a lot of interpersonal energy going on, and at the end of the day, when. it's not even the end of the day after lunch when i sit down in my chair it's it's nap time for dad leave me alone (laughs) i'm I'm falling asleep and that's what warf reminded me of just just a dad or an uncle you know at thanksgiving dinner the uncle sit down all right i'm done so (laughs) um all right what about the new characters what do you what do you think about the new characters that they've got here people are talking about wanting a show with them. Do you think they could mm. hang a show on them?
1: I, th- I think they could. I think well, we've got the bridge crew. Uh So some of them we didn't really get to know. So there was the Bajoran guy and there was the, the woman with the, the, the on her face. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I couldn't even tell you their names, but they were fairly minor, but we have, um, uh, Al- Alandra? Asandra. Yeah. Um, La Forge's daughter, uh, the, the, the Helmsman, they gave her a decent amount of development, so yeah. we kind of got to know her. Uh, Jack, obviously, wasn't a part of the crew, but he is now. Um, and and then, of course, having Seven and Raffi as, as Captain and First Officer. I think you know, we know enough of those characters well enough that there's a lot to build on, and and there's potential to take some of those other background kind of characters and turn them into something.
0: Um... I would have never thought that we would be looking at a show, a possible show. I mean, they haven't announced anything, Mm. but a possible show or a possible appearance on another show of Seven Mm. of Nine as Mm. the captain of the Enterprise. Yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't, would never have picked that either. (laughs) If anything, I would have expected maybe, maybe Voyager A, you know, or Mm. something like that. But yes. um, Yeah. I, but they again this is kind of that origin story of enterprise g and when mm. the show is done we have a a new crew this is the crew of enterprise mm. g it was yeah. the crew of enterprise or of, of the titan but it's something different now and mm. and i got to say when even when enterprise e showed up in um in insurrection i think it was no nemesis no hmm. insurrection was the first one that, that we had that enterprise E I loved that they had incorporated some of the design from enterprise a and from the, the mm. refit from the motion picture. Yeah. Uh, this one's even more so just that, that mm. style. Uh, yeah, not, that, that was very deliberate. <laughs> I'm not seeking out a model of it. Uh, but I, I did love the, love the design. Mm. Um, I also thought it was fun that you had, uh, Speaking of models, Jack has a model of the, the Enterprise D. Yes. And even though earlier they talked about no one wants the fat one. Yep. <laughs> so, um,
1: now, speaking of also, I guess, the potential of the newer characters, um, I mean, we haven't talked about the the after credits scene with Jack. Yeah. Um, but that, I think, shows that, and Terry Metalis himself has said, I have plans for Jack. And so I think of all the new characters he's he's the most interesting, and he has the most you know visible potential at the moment
0: well, and of course, we humans think linearly we saw mm. him die, we saw Q die, yes, but what does that mean it It means yeah. that Q decided when it was time for him to die to spend that time with Picard. And, yeah, and to go back to Picard mm. Um whatever, you know, maybe I'm still thinking too linearly, you know, because I'm mm. I'm thinking of a, a timeline for Q now, but mm. um but for him to show up with Jack, I, I was not expecting I knew that people said there's a post credit. You want to watch the yeah, post I didn't, credit. I
1: didn't even know it was coming. Oh you didn't. But I but I stayed just to listen to the music mm-hmm. and what watch them sitting at the poker table. Because I wasn't going to turn that off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did. Uh, how did you feel about that, though? Because there's a part of me that's like, oh, this is nice. But there's a part mm. of me that's like, we already did this. We already ended mm. on a poker table. Yeah. And it's it's kind of interesting because we've had three Next Generation endings now. Mm. We've had the the series ending, which, in my opinion, the Next Generation series finale is one of the best series finales of all time possibly mm. the best of all time I, because of the way it just warps back to mm-hmm. the the first yep. season first episode it references so much f- stuff in between mm. but it's it takes that and runs with it that should have been the movie <laughs> um, <laughs> that should have been uh, yeah the the next generation's crew first movie should have been that good and instead we got mm-hmm. generations which wasn't bad but wasn't great it wasn't Mm, perfect i think that's fair um but then we also had nemesis which Mm -hmm. was another (laughs) ending for the next generation crew but wasn't no it wasn't a great ending by any means it It wasn't a great anything i don't think (laughs) (laughs) i i
1: mean i'm usually pretty i always look for the positives but it's hard to find many in nemesis
0: to be honest yeah there there's some performances that are really strong Mm. Um, Yeah, there's there's some odd stuff like the the dune buggy (laughs) scene. Yeah, Uh, I did like before. uh, Mm -hmm. As far as giving Brent Spiner something different to do, Mm. but not much different, not much. Yeah, not much actual time to do it in. Um, Mm. I I really think that he was looking forward to the opportunity to do something new in the next Mm. movie (laughs) that. Yeah. <laughs> didn't happen. Um, no. But, yeah, th- I will say there is no Star Trek movie I don't like. Mm. Uh, I'll put it that way. So I still like it, but that's mm. o- definitely on the lower tier of things. Yeah. So. But then again, I also really love the mo- the motion picture and, and mm. have a f- large, large fondness for The Final Frontier.
1: So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the motion picture is arguably the most cinematic of all
0: the star trek movies yeah i just unabashedly unashamedly Mm. uh that's that's one of i think i put it in one of my top 10 movies of all time Mm. um yeah but don't ask me to (laughs) because i don't know how i would do that but yeah um i've watched that movie so many times that might be part of Mm. it's just yeah you know fondness by just lots of time with it but uh, well, what are we missing? Shaw, mm. Captain Shaw. Yeah, uh, he was an interesting one. He was, he was, and I was actually disappointed to see him go. Yeah, I understand what they were doing, getting him out mm. of the way for the legacy to yeah. to carry on, but he was there in some ways to be counterpoint to Picard's own existence. Mm. You know, like I, I just. I never liked it with Cisco and I, I, I had some trouble with, with Shaw where they just place the blame on Picard. Mm. Like I don't see how that works other than mm. emotional reasoning rather than. Mm. Well,
1: you know. and I think that's what it is. Um, I actually didn't mind it with Cisco. I, I thought they, they probably did it better with Cisco in in one sense than they did with Shaw uh because with him it was just this gut-wrenching of an emotion that and because it was the loss of his wife yeah, as well yeah. um like he he knew that wasn't picard he knew picard was a good man um but there was just that emotion in him that that he struggled to get through and and, and i guess his arc through Emissary was was kind of learning to let go and overcome that um yeah it was sure it's it's so easy to just think of him as a jerk. You know, he's the, he's the, the bad captain, you know, like, you know, you've got the guy in Star Trek three. Um, people often <laughs> talk about Harriman from the captain of the enterprise yeah. B. Um, although I, 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 you know, I, I have uh, defended Harriman on, from time to time, but, but with Shaw, he was more than just the jerk, bad captain. Um and, as, as annoying as he was, he kind of had a point in that first episode. Because mm-hmm. we've seen so many times in particularly the original series where you have the, the Commodore or the Admiral come on board and take over and ruin everything, and then Kirk has to pick up the pieces. And from his perspective, Riker and Troy... i uh, sorry, Riker and Picard were kind of that. And, like, he saw straight through them. Like, obviously they they um, they were lying to him, and they had their own agenda. And he's like, no, this is a Starfleet ship. You can't just come and take my <laughs> ship for your own amusement, for your own whatever it is you're doing. Like, I'm, I'm not going to stand for that. So, yeah, as as much as he was the antagonist, and we were meant to sympathize with Picard and Riker, and I did, I saw that Shaw did kind of have a point there.
0: I feel like he didn't just kind of have a point. I feel like mm. he was... Speaking to that whole rules are for you, not for me that we mm. get with our hero characters, you know, yeah. especially Kirk. I mean, Kirk was the guy mm. who I mean, he stole the Enterprise. Kirk was the guy who would, you know, come in fists blazing and, uh, you know, uh, he didn't technically break the prime directive, but he totally did. <laughs> mm. So he's he's the one who's, who's breaking the rules In service of good, you know, and Picard was less so, but I mean, that, that was, you know, Picard and Riker come in and they're breaking the rules. They're Mm. essentially, you know, they're misrepresenting themselves. They are putting people in danger and Shaw ends up being right. Mm. Like Shaw is like, I want to not put my crew in danger for your little thing. And then Mm people died like people were dying because of the choices that Picard and Riker made. And Mm. in some ways it almost would have made more sense for them to just go to uh, the museum and just take the, the Klingon bird of prey or something like that. (laughs) um, But instead they come in, they give, I mean, they, they upend Shaw's life. If you're looking at Shaw's character arc, and if you're Mm. looking at this as Shaw's story, his life gets flipped, turns upside down, and he learns from it and mm-hmm. he acts differently by the end of his arc. Uh, but he's right so many times and people would mm-hmm. not have died or maybe in the end, more people would have died because mm-hmm. they wouldn't have won. You mm-hmm. know, Picard and Riker were justified by the end because of what was going on with the Borg and all the stuff that they did to get them to the point where they could defeat the Borg hinged on what they did with Titan Mm. but Shaw was right people got hurt people were going to die mm. when Shaw gave seven the order to you know empty the the bridge if she would have just done that and and allowed him to die uh other people wouldn't have mm. and and that's one of the reasons why I feel like if there's an appreciation for Shaw for me where he's willing he's willing to to die for his crew yeah and he's he's not a bad captain He's mm. just not the style of hero that mm. we've been seeing, and he has yeah, played it with safe. That. He, he mm. plays it safe, for sure. So, yeah. I, Which is exactly what Riker was accused of back in Best of Both Worlds. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Shaw, I, I feel like he was gone too, too soon. But, mm. yeah. Oh, hey, here's the other big one was mm-hmm. row. Yes. Uh, was not expecting that. After right. she showed up in her episode, I went back and rewatched all of her episodes uh from mm-hmm. Next Generation and it makes a nice tidy arc too. It does. It it really does seeing her where she is now and yeah. Mm. It it's
1: interesting that Picard has this tendency of bringing back beloved legacy characters and then just murdering them. <laughs> um the the worst example of that was Hugh, of course. Oh, but that I think,
0: was heartbreaking.
1: Yeah, but but I think I think Roe was the best example. Uh, I think they did it well with her. And I think they gave her a nice heroic kind of self-sacrifice moments to hand over the mission to someone else, you know, someone that she knew she could trust even though there'd been that tension between them yeah. for all those years. Um, so yeah, I, I liked what they did with her, her episode and it was just was, fun to see her again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was, and I didn't realize how fun it was like when she shows up mm. and like, huh. And then as the episodes going on, I, was, I remember her episodes. I liked mm. those. Those were good. Mm. Those were good. Some better than the others. The one where she's like able to walk through the walls and stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was okay. It was okay. Yes. But.
1: I don't necessarily think of that as a row episode. I think of that as an episode that had Ro in it.
0: Well, but there's so few episodes that actually have her. Yes. That you're uh-huh. able to watch all of them mm. in a very short amount of time. I think it's yeah. six or seven episodes that she's actually in. Mm. Um, now, if you're just wanting to watch her character development, there's three or four strong ones. But, mm. but yeah, I literally just watched every episode she was in. Cool. Um, yeah, it makes nice, like I said, though, tidy little little story arc. There's things like that in Star Trek where you can there's like these mini uh arcs. And so there's like mm. the Lowren, low Ro Loren episodes. The there's the conspiracy thing where it's two mm. episodes that kind of are linked together, but they're separated by four or five other episodes. And yeah. um Yeah. And so there's I like looking for those kind of things and 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 then mm playing there and watching those so yeah of course wharf had a had a nice arc over seasons three and four of, of tng yeah yeah and i that's the one thing i wish there had been opportunity to really fill in the gaps for like details of what had happened to bring mm. wharf to where he was LaForge forge to where mm. he was like i'd like to know more about his family you know and yeah um you know the the parent. You know who's the other parent of these girls?
1: Yeah, is it Leo Brahms? Like it was in All Good Things, uh, <laughs> he 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 named his daughters the same names. But oh, did he I didn't have even notice wife? that. Yeah, so so in, in uh, All Good Things, um, his children are Brett, Alandra and Sydney. And so, of course, they used huh. the Alandra and Sydney. We we don't know if Brett exists in this timeline. Um, and we do. Yeah, we don't know who the mother is. So it'd be fun if they do delve into, particularly because I think Terry Metalis has said if Star Trek Legacy gets off the ground, both the LaForge daughters
0: would be on the show. Well, and I Uh, really liked that there was two. I wasn't expecting two. I just knew his real life daughter was playing his daughter, Mm. and then this other person shows up. I'm like, that—that's not the pictures I saw. No, that's (laughs) not the person I saw. Who—who's this? And then, oh, there's second daughter. Of course, that makes sense. Yep. So, mm. yeah, but yes, I, I'd like to see more of the Forge family. So, yeah, I just season three, fantastic, lots of nostalgic stuff, a storyline that carries it well, acting that carries it well. Mm. Um, yeah, we we get opportunity to see these characters do things in more with more time than they would have gotten in a movie. That's one thing that they said, this would be a 10 episode movie. Like when, when you take these 10 episodes and put them together, it's like what a star Trek movie would be. And if you look Mm. at it that way, I know people were complaining about the pacing and I want my, I want my next generation characters now. Uh, Why do we have to Mm. wait so long for Troy? You know, but if you looked at it as a movie and took the 10 hours and condensed it into two, the pacing's about right, as far as like yeah. introducing the characters and bringing them in as they're taking mm. step, step, step to get to the MacGuffin, to get mm. to you know the the solution of the problem. Um, it would have been interesting, and would be interesting, I guess, to see like it, could someone take this and make it a two hour cut and mm. and turn it into a two hour movie. Um, but by doing this with 10 episodes, you had room for the characters to breathe. You have room yeah, for LaForge Forge exactly. to be able to give a little bit more about just what he's been up to in his personal life than if it had been a movie. And he shows up mm. and does his, his one thing. Because that's, yeah the especially the original series, the original series movies, everyone had at least one thing to do. Yeah. But it was Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. But mm. Sulu still got to judo flip the mm. The tall security guard in Star Trek three, yeah. you know, and you know, Chekhov was able to go and find the USS enterprise aircraft carrier in Star Trek four. They all had mm. little pieces of the mission to do that's yeah. happening here in this 10 hour thing. But because it's 10 hours, it's not just here's my five minute little time to shine. And yeah. And then I'm going to turn things back over to Spock. Yes.
1: Now, I-, I liked the pacing in Season 3, and I liked the way they kind of drip-fed the the classic characters back in. It it, it gave it, like, w- we got a lot of Riker early on, and so I was able to enjoy that. But at the same time, I had a lot of anticipation for, for the other characters. So I was looking yeah. forward to their arrival. Um, And Data was a complete surprise.
0: Yeah. Uh, because they- the-,
1: the trailer led us to believe he was going to be Law.
0: Yeah. Well, and not only that... uh interview things that I'd seen, it might've mm-hmm. been headline things, but said that he was coming back, but not as data. Yeah. And what they weren't saying was he was coming back as the, the data that he had longed to be since we first met mm. him, where he actually has the emotions Yeah, that lore had. Mm. He's a synthesis of him and lore, but it's data's better nature wins out, but still mm. has You know, the ability to smile and feel joy and feel Mm. uh, anticipation and and enjoy piloting the Mm. ship and and getting a thrill out of it. And actually, I've seen people focus in on the idea of how excited he was in that moment. Mm. But the fact is, he was projecting emotion that Troy could pick up on. Mm. Like, that's a deeper level of emotion than just a, a emotion chip, you know, like there's, there was something else going on there. And so it is kind of the accumulation of all of data's arc and Mm. lore's arc. And before, and I think they even name checked um, his daughter as well. Lol Mm. was a part of that programming, Uh, but it was data and lore that were the primary, Mm primary forces there
1: and how how good a performer is brent spiner where you see him like you know over course of like 30 seconds switch from data to law to b4 Mm -hmm. to alton and you can tell what character he's playing just by the way he speaks um that that was great like he has brought so much more i think to that than what the writers gave him uh, not just here, but, but throughout the entire c- career of playing Data and and the related characters. He I, gave each one its
0: its own personality and voice. I haven't heard him talk much. Um, I did listen to his book that he wrote, which is – oh, mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's called. But it's a, a fictionalized version of him during – I think it was season five – of next generation. And he's talking about missed opportunities. He's talking about his early career mm. and things like that in the, in this fictional setting. But, um, I feel like being data was the best and worst thing that could happen to him. I don't think that he could have gotten the platform to allow him to be who he could be if he mm. hadn't been data. But then because he was data, he, he didn't get the opportunity to do anything really else. Like he, yeah. um, uh, I really don't remember him and hardly anything independence day. Yeah. You know, he, he he did some funny stuff there, but with data, he was able to explore, I think as an actor more than, than he would have, Mm. if he had just been doing, you know, television bit parts and finally getting in the movie, you know, or something Mm. like that. Yes. (laughs) Uh, he, especially if you look at it and the primary acting role for him is Android, (laughs) and Hmm. no emotion except for these brief little moments where he gets Mm. to do something else. And yeah, so yeah, he's a fantastic actor. He should have had more opportunities to do other things, Mm. but you know, I don't know if it was typecasting or if they was, they were trying to stay away from the typecasting and say, well, he's star Trek. We should Mm. stay, keep away from him. But yeah. I, I just feel like he didn't have the career after Star Trek that he really should have gotten. Yeah. I think,
1: I think we see less of that typecasting nowadays, but it, it definitely it still has been like it completely ruined, um, James Dewan's career. He was never able to get past being Scotty. Mm. Um, a, a lot of actors kind of nowadays do break out of it, but yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think, uh, Brains could have done so much more than, than what he
0: has. Yeah, I mean, Frakes, Jonathan Frakes was able to break out of it because he became mm. a director. Yes. And he was he was doing things behind the camera. Patrick mm. Stewart, even his career, I feel like, didn't do what it could have been. You know, like, mm. I, there was so very few things that I actually saw him in uh mm. he was amazing in Christmas carol he did a um you know did a lear thing but it, it just yeah i don't know if it was typecasting or what but it was mm. just getting over that getting past it and um did you ever see his cop show that he did mm. he did a procedural uh police show in uh i don't know if it was for the BBC or if it was for another network in the UK, but uh, where he was this quirky police officer and right, I'm not even aware of that. Yeah, I saw just a couple episodes. I can't remember where I saw it. Uh, it might have been on Amazon Prime when I had the uh, the BBC add on or something like that. So mm-hmm. I could watch Red Dwarf, but um, but he was this kind of it was almost like a house vibe, but instead mm-hmm. of. A doctor. He's a investigator, and there was also some some sci fi ish elements to the crimes that he was dealing with, and so not quite in X Files, but yeah, X Files adjacent. And it was good because it was Patrick Stewart, and anything he does, Mm. yeah, he brings, he elevates. But Mm. it wasn't something I was like, I gotta watch every single episode of this. I yeah, I can let this one go. I I can live Mm. without finishing it. So yeah uh what are we missing what do you have anything else uh maybe in your notes or
1: yeah i I guess I just wanna one, one thing that really st- stood out to me as I reflected back on it was that Picard season three completes a character arc for Picard that began in encounter at farpoint so you know when we first see him there he's this kind of almost grumpy beyond his years kind of um <laughs> hates kids, doesn't want to be around them mm. kind of character. And uh, over seven years, he learns to um, kind of accept the the crew around him. They become his family. And we actually see him finally able to express that around the poker table at the end of All Good Things. Um, and then, of course, when, when his nephew, Renee dies in Generations, we see that he's come to a point where he's realised what he really... He actually does now want children. He wants a wife. He wants a family. Um, and that's what the, the Nexus tempts him with. But he's at a point now where he feels it's too late for that. Um, there will, the Picard line ends with me and there's nothing more I can do. And I think when he, when he talks to Jack in the bar, not realising that's his son, and says Starfleet is the only family I've ever needed, I don't think he truly believes that i think that's what he's taught himself to believe because he knows he can't have another family so he's looking for the positive it's like well okay i can't have that but i have starfleet and that's Mm -hmm. my family and that that will be enough for me um but then finally then discovering he has a son and that moment in the finale where he says to Riker. I have to stop being a captain now. It's time for me to start being a father.
0: Huh. That
1: hit me. <laughs> and, and, and then like, he talks about how I um, vowed I'd never returned to the collective, but now I have a reason. And he sacrifices himself to the Borg for his yeah. son. And he even says, if you're not leaving, I'm going to stay with you. That that hit me as a father on, on such a deep level. Um, And now with that whole thing resolved, now he can just... Enjoy being a dad and enjoy his retirement. Like he's, it, it just feels like it closes off that story that began in in, in our encounter at Farpoint. I, I feel like John Luke Picard's story has been told now, and I'm quite satisfied with that. And if you look at it, it, it's you know it is the the classic character arc that you're meant to follow in a novel. They've just told it over thirty five years,
0: and multiple different people having mm. opportunity to to put yeah. Uh, their their spin on things but yeah i mm. i like in some ways i would compare this maybe more to undiscovered country mm-hmm. as the end for the original series like yeah if you look at generations there is a passing of the baton with with generations you get to see uh enterprise uh b which is mm-hmm. good you get to see harriman and yeah and uh see uh, another enterprise captain there's three enterprise captains on uh in, in generations. Mm, yeah. And it's nice to see, okay, here's generation, you know, Kirk passing on to Harriman and then Kirk passing on to, to Picard as well. Mm. But um the that ending of Kirk dying just didn't ring as as true of a sign off as you got with Undiscovered Country, where you did have in mm. Undiscovered Country, you had them taking threads pulling on, you know, things here and there from the original series, from the other movies and, and really trying to wrap things up with undiscovered country with generations. It does play with the idea of, I'm just going to retire here with my horses mm. and I don't have to worry about any things anymore. And then it's like, no, 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 I can't, I can't help myself. I got to save the galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, mm. um, this feels like, I, honestly, I'm really glad that, that it didn't end with Picard's death. Yeah. Now season two, I felt like could have, it maybe should have ended with Picard's death. Mm. Um, I did not like the cheat, the, uh, the Android body that he's yeah. in now. Like that was one where I'm just like, Oh, come on. Yeah. Don't, don't even flirt with death. If you're, if that's all you're going to do mm. or let him die, you know? Yeah, but this yeah gave, that, that didn't work for me. Yeah, but this definitely gives that that arc, like you were talking about, where it yeah. feels like a solid ending, a second solid ending after all good mm. things, which was yeah. just a wonderful ending for mm. that crew. Um, there were some things missing. O'Brien was mm-hmm. missing. <laughs> yep, I really wish we had we gotten a chance to see O'Brien. Yeah, that that would have been quite easy to
1: like. To, to see him down on earth dealing with all of this from a technological perspective, his daughter Molly would have been one of the ones who had yeah. become yeah. Borg. And yeah, like I, I don't know if, if um she's acting as such, but I know she's certainly come back into the Star Trek kind of fandom scene um, in recent years. Uh, but man, imagine how he would have reacted to that.
0: Um that would have been cool. <laughs> yeah. Of course that adds another you know, there's there's just so many layers that you can only go so far. And mm. I heard uh Terry Metalis talking about, or I should say read, um, him talking about like there's so many things we wanted to do in this final episode mm. and and they're telling me you, you can't make endgame. You know, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do a three-hour movie with every single cameo. You mm. you gotta. You know, you gotta be mm. careful here. So, like if they had. I actually wanted Janeway to be a yeah. part of promotion, mm. which would have been great, but it also made sense for Tuvok.
1: Yeah, uh, and we kind of we wanted to see him just to to know that he's alive and well. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Seriously.
1: <laughs> yes. I also read that they'd planned a cameo for Garrett Wong where he would actually get his promotion to captain. Uh, but they cut that for budgetary
0: reasons. So as far as we're concerned, he's possibly still an ensign. The last <laughs> yeah. twenty twenty 20 odd years. But mm. That's, <laughs> there's certain things I love about Voyager, but there's two things that mm. I don't love about Voyager. And one was um, they, they did him dirty. Yeah, definitely. Harry should have gotten a promotion. Yeah. I mean, come on, Paris got one, right? Uh huh. I
1: mean, let's. I mean, the 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 excuse in in one episode where he actually raises it himself, like if we were back in the off Quadrant, I'd be a lieutenant, maybe a lieutenant commander by now. And Janeway says, "Oh, there's there's limited positions for advancement on a ship, one ship on its own. You know, he's already a senior officer. He's he's the head ops officer. He doesn't need yeah. a new position. He just needs." to be re- his rank needs to reflect his experience so that that was really silly i thought i, I think the writers thought it was a joke kind of like her. Oh, the doctor wants a name but he's never going to get one yeah kind of, we're, we're never going to get him a name until it stops being funny i was like
0: okay that's
1: i don't find that funny but whatever
0: <laughs> and so then you know he gets the promotion in an alternate timeline but janeway mm. throws that away <laughs> Yep. (laughs) um, Yeah, yeah. but it would have been nice to see him. Would have been. I mean, there's so many things that would have been nice, but we got so many nice things. We got lower, low, row, Loren. Mm. We got, um, we got Tuvok, which was really fun to see. Yeah, Uh, even Seven of Nine carrying Mm. on from her, her arc, especially in the earlier seasons of Picard, but.
1: yeah. I guess one other that I would have liked would have been uh an appearance of a Deep Space Nine character. Uh particularly mm. with with so drawing so much from Deep Space Nine in in the plot of the season. Uh it would have been would have been nice to see someone. Um but I, I guess Worf maybe counts as a Deep Space Nine character in the show.
0: Yeah, and that, and he had personal stakes that we were mm. able to see mm. in all that stuff with the changelings. Um Yes. I did like the verbal
1: uh reference to Odo where Wolf talks about you know, an old friend, an honorable man and Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed that.
0: Yeah. I mean we've sung the praises of mm. of Picard season three, which I said that there's not a Star Trek movie that I don't like. There have been a few seasons of modern trek that I've slogged through because it's Star Trek, and so I'm gonna get mm-hmm. through it. Um and honestly, Lower Decks is one of those things. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious to me, but I don't like it as Star Trek because mm-hmm. I feel like it shouldn't be canon. Like, I feel like yeah. the things that they're doing there are a little mm-hmm. too self-referential to be canon. But they are. They are canon. Yeah. So that's yeah. how we, you know, there's some O'Brien references there. and mm-hmm. uh, um, Prodigy, I haven't watched all of. I've watched the, maybe half of the first season. So mm-hmm. have you had a chance to watch that?
1: I oh yeah, I I've seen the whole first season. Um, yeah, it's not bad as a as a kids show. Um,
0: but that's the Janeway show. Like that's, yes,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and they've they've done some nice stuff with Janeway in that. Uh, so you you saw the I guess the mid season cliffhanger of Prodigy? Did you? No, I haven't gotten that far. Right. Okay. Yeah, I won't talk. Yeah. Anyway, I. I like I like what they do with with Jane Ray in in that show. Uh, I don't think it works quite well as well as Clone Wars uh does. Um I mean Cl- Clone Wars is a is an animated show, but I think there's a lot more in that for adults potentially than there is okay in in Prodigy. Um possibly because Prodigy is really following these these kids uh whereas Clone Wars was you know Made for kids in theory, but
0: it was about mm-hmm. the grown-up characters. So maybe that's the difference. But. Uh, Strange New Worlds, that's also been just wonderful. I love mm. Strange New Worlds. There's one episode you're like, yeah, But one episode out of a whole season where I'm yep. just, eh, that's, that's not too shabby. Ooh. And And really, Pike in Discovery gave me one of two... No, one of three scenes in Star Trek that got me choked up mm. was was one of Pike's scenes in in his season of Discovery. Yeah, um, so I that's just been been fantastic. But it, mm. this Picard season, they they outdid themselves for sure. Mm. Uh, I'm
1: curious whether your eh, uh, episode of Same Stranger Worlds is the same as mine.
0: It's the it's the imaginary one yep okay yeah yeah i yes. felt like uh, <laughs> i felt like in some ways it was too soon like mm. i didn't know these characters well enough that when they're out of character i can appreciate what they're doing mm. and and then there's just that stage play element where it's a bottle mm. episode and they're just dressing up the hallway that they already have mm. <laughs> to, yeah it just it just didn't work well for yeah. me yeah i think the, the the thing that i most didn't
1: like about that is that that Episode was the way they they tied up the whole plot regarding Doctor Mbenga's daughter. Yeah, because um, I was really invested in that, and then that's how they choose to resolve this thing. But I will praise the life out of the acting of the um, the actor who plays Laan. Um, just see, I mean, she's such a kind of stiff and formal character. But seeing her, like I didn't even know it was her half the episode. I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, oh, is that is that is that um that's number one, right? Oh, but she's she's using a British accent, and then I realize like half of the episode, oh, that's La'Anne. Like, I am blown away by just the. D- I mean, I know what this is. What actors do, but right, right, herself so differently. Um, so yeah, that that is my little praise for that episode is her acting.
0: I just feel like that would have been to me would work better for me as a second season comedy episode um, yes i agree but but on the other hand that's one of the things i talked about with the movies uh when they were like talking about star trek four was that's the way they did the seasons there were two mm. exciting episodes and then a comedy episode and then mm. two exciting you know it wasn't like an exact pattern but um but that's another thing i appreciate about strange new worlds is it really is looking backward and mm. moving forward yeah yeah all right well i think we need to wrap this one up uh adam i want to thank you again for joining me and just geeking out about star trek with me i don't have Mm -hmm. too many people in my circles right now that i can geek out about star trek with but um like i said i would like to give you the opportunity now to kind of talk through just some of the places where we can find your your work find you online and and kind of uh be able to to watch and and see the things Mm. that you're doing
1: yeah so at the beginning i mentioned my website adamdavidcollings.com and uh, collings has a g in it so it's not collins which is a much more common name uh so that that's one that people trip up on sometimes um so you can find me on youtube you just search for adam collings uh you'll find me uh the content i put there in video form I also do, in audio form, uh, under Nerd Heaven Podcast. Uh, So that's just nerdheaven.podbean.com. And I guess for something totally out of left field, um, which is not really sci-fi related, but uh, along with my wife and kids, I actually do a travel vlog um, on YouTube called The Colling Show,
0: um,
1: which is, uh, I guess our tagline is, sharing the sights of Tasmania and beyond. So, um, yeah, just, just traveling around places, looking at the history of places. And it's just something that we kind of enjoy doing whenever we, we go somewhere.
0: You got to talk about the book though. Yes. (laughs) Jewel jewel of the Stars, which Mm. is in some ways, um, (laughs) this is something I'll mention when I actually do finally get around to doing my, my YouTube review, but, Mm -hmm. um, people used to make fun of Star Trek Next Generation as being love boat in space. Yeah, because you had the bald captain who looks like Captain mm-hmm. Stubing from the Love Boat. You have the the carpeted bridge, you have the brightly lit co- corridors and luxuriant mm-hmm. uh, co- uh crew quarters. Mm. Jewel of the Stars literally is Love Boat in space. Yes.
1: I actually describe uh, it as Star Trek meets Battlestar Galactica meets the Love Boat.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just give a brief uh brief overview and and i will just tag on before you give the brief overview to say i highly recommend uh there's there's three chapters three three episodes but um i really found myself enjoying mm. all, all three of them mm-hmm. so yeah
1: yeah so jewel of the Sazi is a cruise ship uh they're just heading off on a on a on a trip with their passengers uh, basically a big hotel flying through space um and just as they leave Earth, um, the planet is invaded by an alien armada. Uh, and Earth very quickly falls um, and becomes occupied territory. So they're out there on their own. Um, as, as, as you said, they're, they're not trained. They're not soldiers. They're they're tourists and they're cruise ship crew. And they've got to get out of the, the war zone and um, basically head off into unexplored space and make a life for themselves and, and, and avoid these aliens that have taken over their homeworld. So they're kind of the last free humans in the galaxy. I'm kind of using, I guess, a bit of a, a love boat formula in that we've got our crew <laughs> characters and, and, and you see them every, every book, but I'm in kind of introducing and focusing on different passengers in each story.
0: You're also kind of structuring mm-hmm. it like a TV season.
1: I am, yes. I've planned four seasons of six episodes each. And each episode is a thirty thousand word novella, so it's still you know they are short books, but it's still meaty enough that you feel like you've read a story. Yeah. And my aim is for each of these books to feel like a forty five minute episode of,
0: of a television show. Which I definitely feel like you've you've succeeded there. So I yeah. Uh, as a, a spoiler alert! I really enjoyed it mm-hmm. <laughs> and. Um, thank you adam i'll have the links in the show notes for his website and the i guess two youtube channels now that I wasn't, <laughs> uh wasn't realizing but hmm. yeah so definitely check him out and adam i really hope we have opportunity to do more episodes together of, of strangers yep. and aliens um i just yeah it's it's fun to find someone who has has tastes that you know, I don't know if we how far we align with most other things, but I know you as a fan of Stargate Universe, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, of a certain age of person, <laughs> you've yep. got a lot of <laughs> similar likes to me. so. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I hope we get another opportunity. But uh, you have any final words or? Just to uh, yeah, stuff.
1: just just thanks for having me on to uh, to geek out about Star Trek. Uh, it's been a lot of fun.
0: So, everyone who's listening right now, again. Check out his websites and until next time, thank you for listening and Godspeed. You've been listening to the strangers and aliens podcast hosted by Ben Avery, Evan David,
1: Steve McDonald and Dr. Jason Neal.
0: Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com, where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more.
1: You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com.
0: Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter, where we are at Strange and Alien, or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash and Aliens.
1: Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is one 1- 804378 And once again,
0: thanks for listening. Low-ren, low-ro-loren, lower-low-ro-loren.